AI Jesus is officially a thing now. Thou shalt stay tuned for all the holy details on Into Tomorrow next. When you're a new podcaster, you may need a little help setting everything up. Like us at Into Tomorrow, you may want a company who's there when you need them, who actually picks up the phone when you call. Well, that's Blueberry Podcasting. Call 1-877-729-8642 or go to Blueberry.com. That's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y.com. Welcome into Tomorrow with Dave Graveline, the interactive program with the latest in high-tech products and services and the experts who bring them to you. This is Into Tomorrow. Here's Dave Graveline. Thanks for tuning in from the Dexcom G7 Studios. Powerful, simple diabetes management. Be sure to visit dexcom.com. This is Into Tomorrow for the weekend of June 23rd, 2023, our 28th year on the air covering consumer tech. I am Dave Graveline. And I'm the other guy. And who's the no, other guy? Chris Graveline. Oh, okay. I thought you, maybe you meant Cameron Graveline. But no. no. Uh, he's at summer camp or something yeah. now, right? Okay. But we've got some tech news and commentary for you and hopefully some interesting things, some of your calls, many of your calls on today's show. So we want to hear from more of you because we've got a plethora of prizes to send out. And a, all you need to do is participate. It's a plethora of prizes, a lot of loot, a uh, gaggle of giveaways. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. What else we got? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you get paid by the bizarre word? Yeah. Oh, no wonder. <laughs> Elon Musk's recent references to Twitter as X slash Twitter indicate a platform name change to X could actually happen very soon, according to various reports. Musk, who already changed the app's parent company to X Corp, has said he envisions an everything app that offers content and functions such as job listings and in-stream payment capabilities. Hmm. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So you might be using X instead of Twitter soon. Yeah, I won't be. Yeah, I know you know no. you don't use Twitter at all. I do not. So then you can't say I will tweet something. You say I will X something. Maybe, yeah. That doesn't make sense. Uh-huh. I I hope it doesn't happen. I hope it was just one of his things where it's like, let's throw that out there and see what people think. He seems to do that a lot. He does. <laughs> and in this case, I think that's not good. But he already has changed the parent company to X Corp. So, I don't know. He has this thing about X. Well, it should be Twitter X cuz you know, it'll match SpaceX. Yeah. And then he should rename the car company Tesla X. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm sure he's listening, so yeah. perhaps that'll come out next week. Yeah. Well, all right. The Prime Day dates are out. Are you excited? No, because no. I'm not a Prime member, nor will I ever be, so no. there. Yeah, well, that's why I have to order everything you need from Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> I disavow any knowledge of that. Right. And then you have to use my credit card, and then you Venmo me. That way you still say you've never given Amazon that's any right. of your money. None of my money goes to Amazon. <laughs> well, this Jeff, year- <laughs> Jeff Bozos has plenty of his own money. Yeah. Well, this year, Amazon's two-day Prime Day. <laughs> yeah. Because it's always two days. They can't count. Yeah. Mm. But they um, are being sued by the FTC oh. over Prime <laughs> memberships that... People didn't really consent to. Oh, <laughs> anyway, you were saying. Yeah, but their uh, two-day Prime Day, which has kind of become the online retailer's equivalent of Black Friday, will take place on July 11th and 12th this year. Just next month. Yeah. It's not even close to Black Friday. No, well, that's what makes them different. Christmas in July. <laughs> Is that what makes them different? Yeah. Well, it's, I'm glad they released the dates because I've been needing a new fire stick because mine's, you know, been going kaput at home. And I wouldn't was waiting for Prime Day because that's the only day I can afford them. Well, I have a fire stick you can have. I'm trying to get a new one to replace well, my used one. Yeah, but why don't like you a, just get a newer used one that I can give you? Because I can buy a newer new one. Yeah. <laughs> and it's usually, I got one last year and it was like half price. They're normally $50. I think I got it for 25 bucks. So, But you'd save 25 bucks if you didn't get it at all. Well, Just say, thanks, Dad, and take the one that I offer you. Yeah, well, there's a reason you don't use it anymore. Yeah, I have. Uh, I'm testing Fission TV from Hotwire. I don't need it. Mm-hmm. I have all the stuff that I had on the Fire TV stick, and for that matter, the Fire TV Cube that I bought. 
um, is all with Fission TV. But you're not a Prime member. So uh, whose Prime account are you using for all your content on that thing? Hotwire. <laughs> it's right. not their Prime account. It's just their account. Mm-hmm. Mm. So when is that again so we can mark the calendar? Uh, July 11th and 12th. <laughs> <laughs> and you expect awesome discounts for lots of stuff. Yeah, well, discounts on the overpriced things. So, oh. so if you've been waiting to buy something from Amazon... You might want to check out, only if you're a Prime member, though, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, July 11th and 12th. Membership has its privileges. Oh, God. <laughs> and its ripoffs, apparently. Yeah. United Airlines plans to install Panasonic Avionics Astrova Seatback Entertainment Systems on all their new Boeing 787 and Airbus 321 XLR aircraft. In Gadget reports, the systems offer 4K OLED screens. That's a major upgrade for any other airline. And Bluetooth connectivity and USB-C power ports at every seat. So come on, Delta and American. Get with the tech program. I mean, don't even bother with Southwest and JetBlue and all these others that don't have anything anyway. But I'm impressed. It doesn't mean I'm going to run out and buy a United ticket to somewhere. But... 4K OLED screens, I think that's pretty good step up. Yeah, but as Delta member, Delta members, Delta customers and members of their frequent flyer program, we don't. We now get access to to additional streaming services on flights. You know, they they introduced that a few months ago. We just, you know, I want to say I remember reading about it. We log in with our Delta SkyMiles account or something, and then on our on our device, a phone, tablet, we can stream all this stuff for for free. Yeah, they're trying to make up for. But it's not on crap. a 4K OLED screen. Well, you just hold it really close to your face. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. It's your own device, so maybe it is a 4K yeah, OLED. Could be. Yeah. So we talk about AI a lot, and it seems like everything has gone AI lately, so why not Jesus himself? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, I was going to say, oh, God, but yeah. I don't want to be blasphemous. Yeah. Well, a new uh, chatbot version of Jesus Christ is available at ask underscore Jesus on the streaming platform Twitch. This AI Jesus is not only capable of answering your questions about the existential crisis, but also delivers some quality gaming and dating advice. Just who you want dating advice from. (laughs) Jesus giving you dating advice. Yeah. Oh, boy. The AI Jesus model is designed with wavy brown hair and porcelain white skin and also speaks in a calm and composed tone. The bot is also capable of addressing people on the Twitch stream by their names and makes sure to answer their questions, it says, with care and consideration. Interesting. Hmm. What if you can ask AI Jesus? What if you can ask AI Jesus how to solve world hunger, or how high is up, or you know any various things that, if given the opportunity, one might want to ask the Lord, mm-hmm. and see how they respond. How it responds because it's an artificial intelligent Jesus. Yeah. Isn't that blasphemous? Because isn't God all knowing or something? Yeah. Anyway, so. yeah. so it doesn't need AI. This is true. Well, I'm confused. Well, I'm curious, however, if any of our listeners have tried it or want to try it, you're going to tell them again where they find it, and then call in, let us know your experience. Ask questions, you know, seek advice, do whatever, and we'll send you prizes for letting us know how it worked for you. Yeah, well, it's on Twitch. You look for ask underscore Jesus. So you go to twitch.com? I guess, yeah. Ask I mean, underscore just, Jesus. Yeah, get another platform I've never been on, mainly because <laughs> I'm not a gamer. I see. So it's a gaming platform. Yes. Wow. wonder if you get different levels for Jesus. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Amazon is reportedly in talks to offer mobile connectivity with a U.S. Prime subscription, either with existing subscriptions or with a $10 a month fee. Bloomberg reports that the company has held negotiations with the main carriers, including Verizon, T-Mobile, Dish, and AT&T, though Amazon and the carriers have denied that they're planning to hold or add such a service. <laughs> So pay attention, stay tuned, we'll keep you abreast or two. And in more AI news, Meta has announced a new generative AI model that can replicate voices. The company said the product, which is called VoiceBox, can speak six languages. In a news release posted last week, Meta hailed the model as a, quote, breakthrough in generative AI for speech. 
Now, Meta said it wasn't publicly releasing the model, however, citing the potential risks of the technology, saying, quote, there are many exciting use cases for generative speech models, but because of the potential risks of misuse, we are not making the voice box model or code publicly available at this time. I thought maybe it would allow me to retire because then you could just have my voice, well, let it imitate it, and, and do shows. what it does. And, you know, one of the use cases I was reading is that it could eventually allow blind people that, that receive text messages on their phone to be read aloud in that person's voice. Now, that the voice of the awesome. person that's sending it. But why won't they release it except for be- the dangers because, involved? Because, yeah, it could be misused by a lot of people for but, a lot of things. But then it won't help the blind, for example. Yeah. That's a good example, and well, why wouldn't they? That's, you know, you blame all the people out there that misuse the technology. Yeah, and there's a lot of folks already misusing it. Uh-huh. I mean, if it's a parody thing or something fun, that's a different story, but Wow. Well, what do you think about that as well? 800-899-INTO, or we love it if you would simply download from your favorite app store the Into Tomorrow app and participate that way. It's always sounding the best. Or you can click on the Ask Dave mic button when you visit us on any device with a browser and a microphone at intotomorrow.com. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're headed. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit www.dexcom.com compatibility. In today's connected world, high-speed internet is a necessity. Luckily, where you live no longer means missing out on a fast connection. Do what we did and get HughesNet, America's number one choice for satellite internet. HughesNet Gen 5 delivers the speed you need where you live. Own a business? HughesNet has plans for you too. Text RADIO to 35000 for offers in your area. That's RADIO to 35000. HughesNet, high-speed satellite internet available where you live and work. listening to Into Tomorrow. I'm Cameron Graveline, reminding you to participate by letting us hear you on the show and win prizes. Call 800-899-INTO, use a free Into Tomorrow app, or click the Ask Dave microphone at intotomorrow.com. Now, back to the guys. And that would be us. We are the guys. I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you by our podcast partner, Blueberry Podcasting. With their advanced podcast hosting plans, you also get a free WordPress site to grow your podcast. Start your free trial at blubrry.com. And stay tuned, because coming up, we're going to have a conversation with Stephanie Drimmer. She's an author of The Ultimate Book of the Future, incredible, ingenious, and totally real tech that will change life as you know it. She's sharing exciting advances in cool tech stuff and taking kids on a fascinating journey of discovery. Yes, you do want to stay tuned for that. It was pretty interesting. And Victoria always comes up with cool things for her wellness tip each and every week here on the show. This one in particular is kind of a little bit off the beaten path, but I found it fascinating. So which is the cleanest stall in a public restroom? Well, science has finally figured it out, so you don't have to. With this week's Into Tomorrow Wellness Tip, brought to you by Human Touch, here's Victoria Ladock. Thanks, Dave. Are you making the right decision when picking a stall at your local restaurant, movie theater, or stadium? After analyzing 51 public restrooms, experts found that the stall closest to the restroom door consistently had the lowest bacterial levels and the most toilet paper. The first stall probably sees less traffic because it's near the door and people want privacy. The lower amount of overall use means it is also most likely to be the cleanest. For Into Tomorrow, I'm Victoria Ladock. Back to you, Dave. Well, thank you, Victoria. That that makes sense. I never thought about that. I always tend to want to go to the one on the very back, which is, now that you think about it, not the cleanest and and frequently out of TP. Although as filthy as those uh, toilet seats are, uh, most people don't realize that they're usually about 50 times cleaner than your cell phone. Yeah, that's also true, which is weird. I still lay toilet paper down. Or on a, your phone? A, yeah, or a, or a toilet seat cover on my phone yeah. uh, before sitting. 
because on my phone, on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> in the popular vibrate mode. Stop it! Stop it! Just stop it! Uh, so I, I like that particular <laughs> wellness tip. It makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. So now I'm going to use the one closest to the door. I don't care if I make noise or not. The point being is that it's the cleanest and has the most TP. And if you want privacy, you do what uh, somebody uh, that I saw in the bathroom earlier today did, where they took the, that little crack in the door of the stall I and, beg your pardon. and st- just stuffed toilet paper all the way down so that you couldn't see through the, the opening in the door. And then they ran out of toilet paper. Apparently, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> anyway, the Into Tomorrow Wellness Tip is brought to you by Human Touch. Ready to be your best every day? Find out how at humantouch.com. Michelle in Miami, well, down the street maybe from us, a local. Hello, Michelle from Miami, Florida. Welcome into tomorrow. As someone that is interested into getting into programming, what's the best way for someone that is entry level to just network myself when I finish my degree, which will be in about two years? Well, first of all, congrats. But Michelle... Start now, if you can. Look for meetup groups, for example, that relate to either generic hack days or more directly to either language or segments of the market that you are most interested in. For example, you may find meetups for fintech, uh, edtech, you name it, really. Uh, Or you can look for more generic meetings or hack days in which you'll just hack something together as practice and get to know others and hone in on your skills. Both meetup.com and Eventbrite may help you find those various groups. And you'll you'll be much better off approaching that while you still have two years to go, because unfortunately, many of those events clash with regular full-time work hours and better align with a student schedule. Uh, Other than that, talk to your professors. They likely know of events or even people that they may be able to connect you with. Now, Miami doesn't have a very active software industry, which is not great in general, but it does mean that it might be easier for you to meet the local players. Look for software boot camp and co-working meetups. It's likely that they have some events that you can attend. That's very true and some good, good input there. Now, you can also find online events. They're more awkward, if you will, but they may help you meet people in other markets and expand your job prospects altogether. Uh, congrats to you. I, I'm very excited for you. And please let us know how it works for you, Michelle. Uh, like, follow up with us, and maybe we can be of even more help. Those listening in the Miami area, uh, if you have some additional input for Michelle, please let us know. That's what it's all about. Lex in Bozier, Bo- Bozier, City. Bozier City, Louisiana. Use the Ask Dave button at intotomorrow.com and remember to give us his first name, where he's joining us from, and how he hears the show. So good on you, Lex. I have Alexa in my home, and it works well, but I bought an air conditioner system, a window unit, and inside the box, lo and behold, there was a Google Home device that came with it. And I'm wondering, are these two things compatible uh, with Alexa, or are they, you know, would they work even in the same house? Do I need to be in separate rooms? What's going on there? They're not compatible with Alexa. Google Home is, of course, a direct competitor to Amazon's Alexa. It's basically Google creating a database on you rather than Amazon creating a database on you. You can run them both in the same house. I do. And they will, for the most part, stay out of each other's way since they respond to different triggers. But you could potentially start having issues with them in the future as trigger words start going away. Yeah, and if you just want to use it for your air conditioning, then you can just plug it in and pretend that your AC has its own voice assistant and only ask Google to deal with that and keep using Alexa as you are now. Um, at least right now, you shouldn't have any issues at all using them both in the same room. Yeah. We have done, though, some fun things where we have had Google talk to Alexa asking questions, and then Alexa responds to Google, and it, it can get into this vicious cycle of things which really kind of made it interesting. Yeah. But I think it's a good question. Let us know what it, how it works out for you. But no, they're basically not compatible. Sorry about that. Doug in Stevensville, Michigan, calling in via the free Into Tomorrow app. 
Hi, Dave. Lately on my commute, there's been a lot of crazy things happening in traffic, so I think it's time to get a dash cam. So I'm looking for recommendations from you. I would like it to uh, be able to at least recognize license plate numbers if the need arises. And I'd also like to have a live view at any given moment uh, when I log into my smartphone. I really appreciate any recommendations uh, or suggestions that you have. Uh, appreciate everything you do. You, Chris, and Cameron make this show the greatest thing in the world. Aw, Doug, that's very nice of you. Unfortunately, neither one of those things will be easy. To be able to read license plates, you need a high-definition camera. Now, there are plenty of those from well-known and trusted big names. For example, the Garmin Dash Cam Mini 2 is a 1080p camera that you can buy for around $130. Lesser-known brand name that have been around for years, like Night Eyes, have even better deals. They sell 4K cameras, like the Rover R2 4K, for $120. But neither 1080p nor 4K will guarantee that you'll be able to read a license plate moving at high speed in real-world lighting. They'll just make it possible, but not something you can truly rely on. Now, keep in mind that video resolution and video quality are two separate things, and most dash cams don't have the best optics. And live video is tougher. You will need a camera that supports it, but there also has to be a way for the camera to get online. That means either a monthly cellular plan for the camera or a hotspot of some kind. On top of that, most cameras just don't support it at all and instead offer a parking mode that makes the camera turn on and record if the car is bumped while it's not in motion. Now, for example, some of the Blackview models allow cloud storage and come with a smartphone app for remote viewing, but that assumes a Wi-Fi hotspot in the car, and those hotspots are usually only on when the car itself is on. So at best, you can stream your driving, but not what happens around the car when it's parked. Now, you may have to pass on the remote viewing requirement at the moment, though it's always been one of the promises of 5G, so you may have the option to pay a monthly fee for a camera with 5G that allows remote viewing soon. So stay tuned and we'll hopefully keep an eye on that sort of option for you and let you know. In the meantime, visit us at your leisure at intotomorrow.com. Sending voice messages instead of typing can save you a lot of time. But listening through those five or ten minute monologues from your friends is time consuming and often just not possible. Imagine being in a meeting, lecture, or any loud and crowded environment. Textify is an app for iPhone that converts those annoying voice messages into easily readable text at the touch of a button. Get Textify now from the App Store. Do you own a business? What do your customers hear when they call? Every business is unique, and Advanced Productions can help you create custom voicemail greetings or an on-hold production. Call us today at 888-899-8511. For over 40 years, we've been providing affordable audio and video services to businesses around the world. Let us create a custom holiday on-hold message for your business for less than $200. Call us today at 888-899-8511. Or visit onholdaudio.net. Stream Guys Streaming Media Services is proud to sponsor Into Tomorrow with Dave Graveline. Delivering audio and video to the web since 2000, Stream Guys is the affordable, reliable, and scalable choice for today's demanding media delivery needs. Stream to iPhones, mobile devices, and PCs all from the same platform. Stream in Windows Media, QuickTime, and the ubiquitous Flash using our full-featured, low-cost Wows of Flash servers. Increase your ROI with our subscription system and pre-roll ad services and turn your content into cash. Stream Guys, offering professional streaming media services for the smartest businesses on the internet. Learn more at www.streamguys.com. Welcome back into Tomorrow. I'm Dave Graveline, our 27th year covering the latest in cool consumer tech. And of course, that always includes things like products and services and gadgets and gizmos, all sorts of things available today and into tomorrow. Flying cars, rockets, and robots are no longer just sci-fi fantasy. Our next guest shares exciting advances in cool, high-tech stuff and takes kids on a fascinating journey of discovery in her new book, 
for National Geographic Kids. We invite you, of course, especially if you're just listening on the radio right now, to check out the video at intotomorrow.com because the author of this book that I'm holding up and we're showing you various illustrations from, it's the ultimate book of the future. Incredible, ingenious, and totally real tech that will change life as you know it. It's Stephanie Drummer. Stephanie, welcome into tomorrow. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. When we first got this book, I thought, this is fascinating. And then I handed it to my 10-year-old grandson who wouldn't put it down. And I thought, okay, that's a good sign. We definitely need to get <laughs> Stephanie on the show because he was blown away by a lot of the stuff in here. Uh, kids, no doubt, discovering what's coming soon in various areas, including, as I mentioned, robotics and bionics and space travel, a whole bunch more. What prompted you to write this ultimate book of the future? So the idea was, you know, let's not talk about future tech that's coming in maybe 100 years, 200 years. <clears throat> let's talk about what is the world going to look like in the 2050s when kids now are adults. And so aside from a few um, intentional uh, intentional exceptions. Every piece of technology in this book is something that is really happening, really in development. It's got a prototype, it's got a patent, it's got a team of people working on it. That doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, everything is going to be part of everyone's future, yeah. but this is all real stuff. Oh, very cool. And of course, you know, Cameron asked the questions that I expected of him as he's flipping through as well. And he wants to know more about the robots. And, you know, he's familiar with the uh, the RoboRock vacuum cleaner robot and, you know, things like that around the house. But he asked the same question. So when are robots going to be our everyday helpers and companions? Uh, and are we going to have flying cars by the time I get old enough to drive one? Will I be going to school, maybe high school in a flying car? I mean, it, it generated those kind of questions, which I think is truly fascinating. Yeah, that's great to hear. I love that. Um, I think the flying cars is an especially cool example because this is something that people have been predicting was just around the corner for over a hundred years. Yeah, and that's been a pretty big corner for a hundred years. Right? right, right, yeah. I mean, I don't, maybe you know this, it certainly surprised me, but the first flying car prototype came out in 1911. Oh, yeah. uh, so as you can imagine, it did not work very well. Um, and, you know, a hundred over a hundred years later, we still don't have flying cars, but we're finally at a point when I feel pretty confident saying that that is one piece of technology that we are almost certainly going to see in the future. Um, there are a ton of companies with flying car prototypes. Yeah. They have done test runs with humans um, and a ton of companies are working on sort of the logistics side now. You know, where are we gonna open these flying car ports? Where are they gonna take off and land? Um, and one of the major proposed ideas is it'll be in you know, high transit, short distance areas. So maybe from Manhattan to JFK airport. Um, as a former New Yorker, I can tell you that that is a not very fun hour long subway commute. <laughs> yes. And hopefully with flying cars, it'll be around six minutes. So that's wow. pretty exciting. Yeah, that is exciting. And of course, we've interviewed some of those companies here on Into Tomorrow, and, and it is fascinating. But one of the questions that nobody seems to be able to answer until it starts happening is, you know, our, our roads are crowded enough. What's going to happen when we're flying in the air going to and from? You know, if it's if it's set areas, like you mentioned, Manhattan to JFK or something, obviously a lot more controlled and controllable. But boy, the future is a little scary, too, I think, uh, to see what's going to happen. And now do we have things dropping from the sky because of a fender bender or that kind of thing? So it kind of makes you wonder. Right. Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, fortunately, with flying cars, we'll have three dimensions to work with instead of two dimensions like we do now. So True. there'll be quite a bit more room. But yeah, I think you're right that the future holds all kinds of not only unforeseen cool things, but unforeseen problems that we can't imagine. Now, in your Nat Geo Ultimate Book of the Future, what are some of the formerly far out, maybe futuristic trends that you now see as, to, as you put it earlier, right around the corner? I mean, flying cars is a major one. Um, space travel is another huge one. We've been talking about going to Mars for a very long time. And that's another thing that, you know, we really, we really are at the cusp of 
taking a trip to Mars. Um, probably won't be NASA or or it will be NASA in collaboration with a private company. Um, but uh, there are a ton of experiments going on right now on the International Space Station to help us determine, you know, what are the problems we need to solve to make a Mars colony happen? Like, um, how does a long-term space trip, because a trip to Mars would take about two years, how would that affect the human body? Um, mm -hmm. How are we going to grow our own food so that astronauts can get fresh food? Um, and so we've grown food on the ISS. Astronauts have eaten a space salad that they grew themselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, and uh, recycling water is a really big one because water is so heavy and uh, the water on Mars is not readily accessible. So how are we either going to access that water that is uh, frozen on Mars or how are we going to bring water along? And if we do that, how do we conserve every single drop of it? Um, something that, you know, also benefits us back at home, figuring out how to recycle our resources. Oh, you, you ask a, a, a lot of very good questions, many of which you talk about, of course, in your book. And I think that's what's really cool, especially for kids. Is the book geared for a specific age group? Uh, wh what is the, you know, to and from that you're, you're figuring are your biggest audience? Yeah, it's written for um, kids who are in the 8 to 12 range. Uh, but, you know, I've heard from a lot of people that adults are getting a kick out of it, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, that's perfect for 10-year-old Cameron. But all of us here in the studios have been flipping through it as well and saying, oh, this is awesome. You know, everybody's pointing to the cities of tomorrow or into tomorrow, if you will. Always got to get the show name in there. Uh, and mm -hmm. you talk a lot about what to expect from the cities of tomorrow. Uh, what are some of the ideas you can throw out at us? Um, I think... I think, you know, we don't necessarily realize this, but cities are really not designed around people. They're designed around cars. Yeah. Um, cities are oriented uh, for roadways and huge portions of our cities are devoted to parking lots. And as we move into a future where people don't necessarily own their own personal car, you know, we're either using flying cars or um, public transportation like high-speed trains, or we're using fleets of self-driving cars or drones that are transporting us around. Um, so there's not going to be this huge need uh, for space for cars, which opens up a lot of cool possibilities. What can we do with all of this space? And um, I mean, the way that uh, we're hoping that that leans is towards more green spaces. Um, let's make cities have more trees and plants, um, better for our air quality, better for our mental health, um, better for the biodiversity of the planet, you know, habitat for plants and animals and insects um, to, to come and live and share our cities. Um, so I think in the future, we're gonna actually see our, you know, the future doesn't always involve visual changes, but I think our cities will actually look a lot different in the near future. And of course, in your ultimate book of the future, a lot of incredible ingenious and totally real tech. But again, especially as it relates to the kids reading this book, what are some of the crazy ideas that perhaps we or they have dreamed about that you think are likely never going to come true, but at least fun to talk about? Yeah, um, that I found that topic so fun that I had to make it a feature in every chapter of the book called yes. Future Fail. Um, so there's a future fail in every chapter of the book. And, you know, we're looking at things that were predicted maybe by the Jetsons or Star Trek, you know, um, things like uh, warp drive or force fields that were just sort of ubiquitous parts of technology in these sci-fi worlds, and we still don't have them. And these are things that, unlike the rest of the tech in the book, we are nowhere close to having. In some cases, they may be uh, impossible according to the laws of physics. Mm. And um, but they are fun to think about. That you know, we have all these cool ideas that are just no, nope, a total fail. Yep. Oh, and it gives us something extra to look for in every chapter, which makes it even more fun. And you write extensively for kids, but I, I'm curious about how do you learn to capture the attention of this very highly distractible age group because my first thought was, okay, Cameron's going to flip through a few pages and then go right back to his phone because that's so important, right? For, for every kid, it seems, especially, well, every adult for that matter these days. But it's especially hard, I think, to capture the attention of the kids. How'd you do it? You know, I'm not sure that kids are that much more highly distractible than <laughs> you and I. I think we're all living in a very distractible time, like you said, with our phones, our devices. Oh, yeah. uh, 
that I think, you know, to make it into the book, all of this tech had to pass a wow test. You know, did it blow me away? And if so, you know, it was something that probably I hope would blow other people away. And um, I mean, I think that sometimes we don't give kids enough credit for how smart they are, how much they can understand. And so there's a lot of, you know, pretty cool stuff, quantum mechanics and other advanced topics in this book that, you know, it's just written in a way that that kids can grasp and in a way that will, you know, impact their lives directly. Oh, for sure. You talk also about future food, high-tech entertainment, transportation, building better bodies, saving the world. I mean, there's so much in this book that we highly recommend, natgeokids.com. You can learn more about it, uh, but it is available now, I'm assuming, yes? Yes, it just came out this week, and you should be able to get it anywhere books are sold. Terrific. Well, Stephanie Drimmer, the author of The Ultimate Book of the Future, incredible, ingenious, and totally real tech that will change life as you know it. Thank you so much for joining us. We could talk for a, a much longer time, but I know you're in high demand, so we'll see if we can get you back on the show at some point in the near future. Fascinating stuff. Keep up the good work, and thank you for sharing with us. Thank you for having me. Ah, it's my pleasure pleasure. Stephanie, again, the author of The Ultimate Book of the Future, natgeokids.com. We'll get you there, of course, as we do with all of our guests when you visit us at intotomorrow.com. Meantime, there's more to come. I'm Dave Graveline. Stay tuned right here on the Advanced Media Network. In today's connected world, high-speed internet is a necessity. Luckily, where you live no longer means missing out on a fast connection. Do what we did and get HughesNet, America's number one choice for satellite internet. HughesNet Gen 5 delivers the speed you need where you live. Own a business? HughesNet has plans for you too. Text RADIO to 35000 for offers in your area. That's RADIO to 35000. HughesNet, high-speed satellite internet available where you live and work. How would you like to feel your best every day? For over 40 years, Human Touch has designed high-performance massage chairs, ergonomic zero-gravity recliners, and targeted massage products that not only rejuvenate the mind and body, but have helped owners perform, sleep, and live better. Sitting in a Human Touch massage chair is the perfect way to unwind, relieve pain, or recover from a hard workout. And it's all from the comfort of your own home 24-7. Anytime you need to relax sore muscles, de-stress, or even just take a moment for yourself. Human Touch works with medical practitioners, world-class athletes, and award-winning design teams to provide therapeutic benefits daily, but also offer an aesthetic appeal that captivates the eye and enhances any space. Ready to learn more? Visit humantouch.com. Human Touch, your best every day. In our 28th year covering consumer tech, Into Tomorrow continues. I'm Dave Graveline. I'm Chris Graveline. This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you in part by HughesNet. Enjoy more of everything the internet has to offer. Text RADIO to 35000. Again, text the word RADIO to 35000. One of the most popular music players in history is released. Former space rivals come together. And Apple effectively creates the smartphone industry. It all happened this week in tech history. Jump aboard the time machine. You've got mail. Time to head into yesterday with This Week in Tech History. History, 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 history. Here's Chris. Here's Chris. This week, back in 1925, a patent for the frosted electric light bulb was filed by Marvin Pipkin. What kind of frosting was it? Clear incandescent lamps gave off very sharp light, which was unpleasant to many people and also made it difficult to see items close to the bulb. Wow. Every earlier attempt to create a frosted bulb resulted in a weaker bulb that would often shatter. So Pipkin's employer, General Electric, sent him on a seemingly the impossible mission of creating a strong frosted light bulb. Pipkin's new frosted light bulb revolutionized the industry, allowing the manufacturer of frosted bulbs that diffuse the light without losing much intensity and were strong enough to be commercially viable. 
1975 this week, Steve Wozniak tested his first prototype of the Apple One computer that he co-developed with friend and Apple co-founder Steve Jobs. To finance its creation, Jobs sold his only motorized means of transportation, a VW microbus, for a few hundred dollars. And Wozniak sold his HP 65 calculator for $500. The Apple One went on sale in July of 1976. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. In 1979, Sony introduced the Walkman, a portable cassette player that allowed people to listen to music of their choice anywhere while they were on the move. Its popularity made Walkman an unofficial term for personal stereos of any producer or brand. It was a bug, Dan. The Walkman was arguably the most popular music player up until the release of the Apple iPod in 2001. By the time production stopped in 2010, Sony had built about 200 million cassette-based Walkmans. Or would that be Walkmen? <laughs> in walk women today, yeah, or, yeah. or or walk of uh, one of forty-two genders, walk nine binaries. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in 1995, the U.S. space shuttle Atlantis docked with the Russian space station Mir. This was also the 100th human space mission in American history. The combined mission between former rival space programs created the largest man-made satellite ever to orbit the Earth. The joint craft were visible from Earth as a fast-moving, shiny star and carried a record ten people, six Americans and four Russians. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. In 2005 this week, Internet search leader Google unveiled its free 3D satellite mapping technology, Google Earth. Google Earth actually began life in 1999 as software called Keyhole Earth Viewer. It was sold on CDs for use in fields such as real estate, urban planning, defense, and intelligence, with users paying a yearly fee for the service. As with many other technologies, it caught the eye of Google, who acquired Keyhole in 2004, rebranding the software as Google Earth and launching it as a free product. And this week in 2007, the Apple iPhone went on sale across the U.S. It rapidly revolutionized worldwide communications. Apple created the device during a secretive and unprecedented collaboration with Singular Wireless, now AT&T. Apple's Steve Jobs introduced the iPhone as a combination of three devices, a widescreen iPod with touch controls, a revolutionary mobile phone, and a breakthrough Internet communicator. That's our look back at This Week in Tech History. Steve in Kenosha, Wisconsin, participating, we love you for it, with the message to studio button on the free Into Tomorrow app. Hey, Steve. Hi, Dave, Chris, Cameron. Quick question for all three of you. I have an old Chromebook that is no longer being updated. I was hoping I could put Linux on it. Super hard, easy, worth it. Uh, What are your opinions? Especially Cameron's. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, I can remember a time when listeners would call the show looking for our opinions. I know. But now they want Cam's opinion. Yeah, well, he's not here, so there. Yeah, that's true. He's in school <laughs> as we speak. But he's going to be 10 in a week. Unbelievable. Well, Steve, how hard or how easy it will be will largely depend on the hardware. Different Chromebooks run on different hardware, and some, of course, are better supported in terms of Linux kernels and drivers. If you want to try dual booting first to see how well your hardware can handle a more powerful operating system, you can look into Crouton or Gallium. Both will let you choose which OS to run. Now, that may bring you to the first big hurdle, though. Chromebooks are not powerful machines, and they typically don't have much storage at all either. Installing two OSs may require more storage space than your machine has, and you may need to jump in and commit to Linux. Yeah, and how well Linux will run really depends on the rest of the hardware. You can run some flavor of Linux on just about anything, but you may find it challenging to use as a daily driver if your computer is not powerful enough to handle day-to-day tasks. Now, the kind of serious Linux laptops that you'd use for day-to-day work don't dip too far below $1,000 yeah, and well. regularly cost much more than that. Uh, still, given your options, using a Chromebook that is no longer getting security updates is not very safe, and you can probably find some Linux distro that will run on your machine and allow you to use it more securely. Yeah. Good question, Steve, though, because I can see I like how you're thinking. I like how you're trying to make this happen, but it just may not be worth it. So hopefully you'll heed our advice, look into giving that a shot there, a couple of suggestions we made. And do please let us know, uh, and we'll share it with Cameron, and tell us how it worked out for you, or if it didn't, why do you think it didn't? And we'll be able to hopefully take it from there. And if you've got more input for Steve, let us know as well. Let's all meet at intotomorrow.com.
With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's D-E-X-C-O-M.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit www.dexcom.com compatibility. When we hear you on Into Tomorrow, you win fabulous prizes. For example, this week... From Targus, we got Webcam Pro 1080p USB webcams. From Skosh, Magic Mount Pro Charge 5 for MagSafe and Qi-enabled phones. Brondell, we've got one of their Pro Sanitizing Air Purifiers. He's removed dust, dander, pollen, smoke, and airborne viruses. These things are valued at $800. Mm-hmm. And Tribit, we've still got a Stormbox Blast portable Bluetooth speaker. 30 hours of playtime so you can party day and night. And no promises, no guarantees, but mention one or two of those items, and we'll do our best to get them to you. Want to remind you, when you visit intotomorrow.com, a little box pops up. You can subscribe to our free tech newsletter, amongst other things, phasing out passwords. Apple to automatically assign each user a passkey. We tell you all about it. This portion of Into Tomorrow is brought to you by Dexcom, the continuous glucose monitor for all types of diabetes. Visit Dexcom.com. That's D-E-X-C-O-M.com. Stanley in Oakland, Mississippi. Welcome Into Tomorrow. I am using an iPhone 12. This is my first iPhone. I've had it since like February or March. And I have to use my hotspot to connect my computer and my tablet and a few other electronics because it's hard to get standalone internet where I live. But to use it, every time I want to connect, I have to turn my hotspot off and back on again to get it to connect. Is this an iPhone thing, or is there something else I should be looking at? I haven't been down to where I got it from, because they've got a new guy down there, and he's kind of a jerk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, then so much for going back for some genius bar advice if the guy's a jerk. Yeah, and I guess we're just less of a jerk. I, I so hope turns, so. so. He turns to us. He t- well, I hope we're not <laughs> jerks at all. That's why he turns to us. Depends on who you ask. I don't, well, now, Stanley, now you got to tell us. Are we jerks or not? iPhone hotspots only become discoverable when you open the hotspot pane in the phone settings. Now, there's no setting to govern that. It's just how they've always worked. You don't have to turn the hotspot on and off, but you will have to go to that hotspot page and keep it open until the device connects. Otherwise, the iPhone will just stop broadcasting when the device disconnects. And if you're relying on mobile internet and need to be always on, you might be interested in T-Mobile or Verizon home routers. They come with plans that are meant to be used by every device in the home and effectively function the same way a wired connection would. Uh, Their main target uh, audience are people who, like you, cannot get other reliable service other than expensive or poor-quality satellite connections. Yeah, exactly. So, Stanley, I hope we've helped you out there a little bit. Please, again, tell us if we're just less of a jerk (laughs) than the guy you bought the phone from. But uh, it's not that big a deal. Just make sure you leave it open until your hotspot is connected. It will disconnect automatically, obviously. It's meant to do that. Robert in Atlanta, Georgia, welcome into tomorrow. Is there a PC utility or a device that can convert speech to text? Well, yes, there are plenty, as a matter of fact, but you may have to pay depending on how much you want to transcribe. Now, if you're thinking about dictation, you may be able to get away with using some free websites like voice-to-text or speech notes. Uh, They won't be as accurate as software, of course, like Dragons Naturally Speaking, probably one of the most prominent ones. They're trained to your voice, 
but they'll be reasonably okay, and you can tweak as you go. Naturally Speaking's Home Edition, the cheapest one available that we found, still costs about 150 bucks. Yeah, now, if you want to transcribe a pre-recorded audio file, you're pretty much looking at either paid software or paid online services. Microsoft 365 includes limited audio transcription. You can open a Word document and select Home, then Dictate, and then Transcribe and upload your audio file. That'll be a good choice if you're transcribing less than 300 minutes of audio a month. But it does have that limit of 300 minutes a month. Well, that's not nice. Because Microsoft, they're here to make money. They're yeah. not here to make your life easier. Well, that's true. I'd forgotten <laughs> myself for a moment there. Now, between software and online services, online services are the best choice since they largely rely on Amazon's, Google's, Microsoft's, or IBM's speech-to-text engines, which are constantly being improved behind the scenes. You can look into automated services like Happy Scribe, which will charge you 20 cents a minute. Yeah, or you can go the manual route and look into Fiverr or Amazon's Mechanical Turk, on which a human being will type up the text for you. It'll take longer, but it will be more accurate from the start. And probably cost you a few extra bucks, too, because you're having to pay a human. Yeah. Peter in San Francisco, California, listens on TuneIn to our free podcasts, sends the following email. He says, hi, guys. I'm planning some upgrades to my desktop computer. One thing I want to do is replace my boot drive with a solid-state drive, or SSD. Oh, good. Uh, because they're supposed to be screaming fast. Yeah. I figure that and a RAM upgrade would make a nice change. Some of my friends, however, are telling me not to use an SSD on my boot drive because SSDs are unreliable and prone to losing data. Hmm. Now I don't know what to do. What do you suggest? I trust your judgment. Thanks for any help. Well, first, thank you for trusting our judgment. And Peter, virtually every new computer in the last several years has shipped with an SSD as its primary or even only drive. Early generation SSDs, again, solid state drives, uh, may have been less reliable or may have had too few write cycles of expected life, but modern SSDs are perfectly capable of being boot drives and slightly edge HDDs or hard disk drives in terms of overall reliability though by almost nothing, but slight edge. Yeah, and you shouldn't run into any big problems if you swap out your hard drive for a solid-state drive, and you will see truly huge performance improvements. The drive swap alone will feel like you got more RAM, and if you swap out the drive and also add more RAM, your computer will feel almost brand new. Yeah. Um, now, we definitely recommend that you do it. It truly will be a very noticeable difference. If anything, you can use the drive that you take out of the machine as a backup drive, and then you can sleep soundly knowing that if your friends happen to be right, you at least still have that that working drive with all your data. Yeah, but Peter, your friends aren't right. If it's a new drive, if it's a new computer, that sort of thing, you'll be fine with the SSD booting up, among other things. You will find it's a night and day difference. I mean, everybody has told us that when they said, oh, thank you for recommending an SSD. Wow, what a difference. My computer boots up in like six seconds compared to a minute and a half that it used to be. Let us know how it works out for you, Peter, and let's all meet at intotomorrow.com. Bringing you the latest in consumer electronics and technology, this has been Into Tomorrow with Dave Graveline. To participate with Dave and his tech geniuses and win prizes anytime, 24-7, use our free Into Tomorrow app available in your app store or call 1-800-899-INTO. That's 1-800-899-4686. Be sure to visit our website anytime to read our show notes and watch our ITTV videos at intotomorrow.com. And join us next week as we bring you further Into Tomorrow. Finding the right experts to help you grow your business is always a challenge. Chameleon Collective is a hybrid marketing service and consulting firm that is hyper-focused on growing businesses, from digital marketing to optimizing your sales efforts. Our experts drive results. Our work and track history, ranging from innovative startups to Fortune 500 companies, speaks for itself. Learn more by visiting chameleoncollective.com or call us at 1-800-914-0245 today.